welcome to episode 36 of the local meta my name is fletcher and i'm john all right so today we're gonna do kind of a grab baggy episode of a bunch of small topics that we can't do for a whole show um and actually right away we're gonna start out with some of the ones that are too small to even really count as topics but we all just kind of want to talk about stuff yeah and then so in any other situation the first few or would just be like banter topics but there's a lot of really random banter topics going on we have this is going to be the grab baggiest of grab bags so um yeah we're just going to kind of hit up a bunch of small things and go from there but first off john i just got to gloat a little bit three-time pt draft champion so far in a row in my defense I always see, I, like, if you look at every one of our little um, picks we make, there's always that one guy that I pick that, like, man, this guy should do really well, and they bomb. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I was, I was a little surprised, but... Like, in the first one, I picked BBD because he was a world champion. And, like, 163 is not, like, bombing bombing, but it, he just he was not going as good as I thought he would. I mean, when I put somebody in the, when I had somebody finish second, yeah, <laughs> that kind of makes it rough. But yeah, so this time I picked uh, Owen again for the third time, yep. um, who is just consistent for me, it seems. But for those uh, following at home, picking Owen Turtenwald as your first pick is really good. You'd think I'd, yes. I'd do it because I always have the first pick because I'm always losing, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I picked Owen, uh, Lee Shitian, and Frank Carsons, and I, I debated picking Reed Duke, but I think we we kind of agreed that there's like there's like an unspoken agreement we had before that like nobody just you don't just don't pick the Peach Garden yeah. like as a group. You don't pick all three because that would be pretty cheating. Yeah. To be fair, your hail mary with Frank Carson is probably the wrong format. Yeah, I know. I just went for it. I'm like, ah, we're gonna go for it and see see what happens, but never know. I was I was feeling them, but I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. And yeah, your picks were my my picks actually all had like justification behind it, right? Yeah, you had good picks actually. So I think, but I got Shota Yasuoka because mm-hmm. yep. I honestly think controls good in this format, and he's a control master. Yeah. I picked Jerry T, who's hot off of a pretty good world's finish playing a control deck, and he's really good at like established formats and stuff like that. And then I picked mm-hmm. Brad Nelson because Brad Nelson is the master of established standard formats. Mm-hmm. And Jerry kind of bombed it for me. He got 431. Not sure what happened there. I I debated taking Jerry as my second pick, actually. Or my uh, first pick, actually, mm-hmm. a little bit. And I'm, uh, I was thinking, I'm like, man, I don't want to pick somebody who just, just did that well, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like then they slump. Jerry's one of those weird people where he's either going to, like, get second place or he's going to get last place. <laughs> All or nothing. Like, I don't fully... I don't know if it's just something about, like, you know, his mentality about stuff because he has lots and lots of articles about, you know, um, his, like, mental issues when it comes to magic. And I don't know if it's something to do with that. Like, he doesn't think he deserves to do well after he does well. Yeah, maybe. Like, who actually knows, but... You didn't beat me by a terribly large margin. No, this wasn't... It wasn't a thrashing by any means. It was a little over 100 points. But this was also the worst we have done as collectively also. Oh yeah, we did. Like, 
you barely did better than what I did the previous year. This is also the first time I haven't had somebody in the top eight. <laughs> yes, this is true. Because, <laughs> yeah, first time, or the first time we did, I picked Yu Yu Watanabe, who placed second. And then last time I picked PV, who won it. Won the whole thing. I was actually <laughs> yep. watching him earlier on, and he, uh, PV, like, he was doing really well, and I'm, like, thinking, like, man, is he just, like, the, is, like, Owen PV and, like, random person just, like, the ultimate picks to win these things? I'm not sure. It could be, but... I mean, Owen's just a stable pick, because, I mean, last time, the first time we did it, he placed exactly, or he was exactly the same amount of points this time, which was 18. Uh, he placed 18th. And then last time, he was the worst from him at 138, which is still solid. Yeah. Owen's just a solidly solid guy. Yeah. You just gotta snap him from me next time, since you get first pick. It's just but... so easy. Like... As weird as that sounds, like I I I put thought into my picks. I don't. I never want to go with like, well, this guy's just you know the best possible person. That seems silly, but okay. <laughs> I like trying to metagame our drafts, and I do it terribly, apparently. Yeah, you don't do it very well because I'm just like you're like I'm gonna pick somebody, and I'm like Owen. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's happened three times now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but. Oh well, so yeah, that was our that was our PT draft, but I don't know, that went pretty good. But you had something else you wanted to kind of bring up, I think. That's kind of our little yeah. To a ask me about something interesting that I found out about last Thursday, actually listening to another podcast. Um, apparently, for the it's a store championship now, not game day, but it's basically yep. game day. Uh, the mm -hmm. top eight. Excuse me. Is now going to get deck boxes instead of promos, <laughs> which is super interesting. It's interesting. Yes, I'm glad you're not like just like ranting and going crazy about it. Because I, I, I'm still I'm still sitting there, kind of like scratching my chin. I'm like, I don't. I'm like, how do I feel about this? Well, it's super like easy for me, right? Because like I don't really care about the promo. Like, and that's where I'm coming at because a promo is only good so long. Like don't like don't get me wrong. I literally have a binder full of every promo I've ever won because I collect yep. things, right? You you collect trophies. Like the difference between me having a promo and a binder and a deck box in my desk is nothing to me. Like I yeah, almost never use my promos, anyways. But I mean, like deck boxes. So here's the thing: like promos, you use them for whatever the season is. You know, because usually they're standard promos, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you use them for whatever the season is. If they don't go on to an internal format, that's it. Like they kind of end up in a binder and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure a deck box is some a deck box is something kind of like a playmat where you can keep using that and kind of keep showing off with it. Yeah, like the thing about the deck box, like they're gonna be out there, and they are going to be like you know visible promotion for the event. You know, like you you go to F and M, you pull out your sweet deck box, and some random new person sees it and thinks it's cool they're going to start thinking yep. about it. It's the same as a playmat. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, and it also is kind of one of those things when it's like you sit down and put down your, your game day champion playmat and your opponent's like, oh man. Yeah. Half, usually half joking. Yeah, usually or sarcastic. Joking, or like, completely joking. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know. I don't know. I, I think there. it's kind of cool and stuff, but. 
yeah, it's, we'll see how it how it turns out. There, I've seen some people and heard some people complain about it because they're like, "Well, what's the point of playing if I can't get you know something that's worth something?" Which is like, yeah, I'm off that train yeah, too. But go f yourself. <laughs> it's like it's game day. Uh, Who uh-huh. really cares? I mean, I I'd want to win a game day, but well, yeah, like, like don't get me wrong, winning game day is important, but. Actually, I think the one game day I played, I top eight is specifically playing in a game day with the hopes of getting like you know a valuable promo is just stupid. Yeah, exactly. Playing for bragging rights is completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I did top eight that one game day I played in, didn't I? Probably. I think I came in like seventh or eighth. <laughs> and then uh, another follow-up to game day, actually, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, the promo <laughs> for the Star Championship for Ixalan is actually going to be a card from Rivals. Hmm. I'm pretty sure... I have no idea how to pronounce its name, but it's a 12-12 Trample for 10 colorless and 2 green. It's like a, it's an Elder Dinosaur. That costs... Galta, Galta Primal Hunger. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> It costs X less to cast, where X is equal to the power amongst creatures you control. And it has trample. Because it <laughs> it's, it's a giant dinosaur. It's big. That's a fascinating card. It's A lot of people are like super like sketchy about it because it's a cost reduction mechanic. Which is yeah. interesting. <laughs> like... We have a we have a nice little habit of cost reduction mechanics being completely broken in uh, yeah, various forms yeah. of magic. But like, how broken is this? Um, everyone at FNM was talking about their plans of casting it on turn four. Okay. So the question is, how reliable can you do it on turn four, and how broken is a twelve twelve trample on turn four? Like, I, I hate this excuse, but I'm just going to say it. Dies to it removal. dies to removal. Yeah, yeah, it just dies to removal. And also, I mean, even though it's not, like, backbreaking by any means, super, super feel-bads if you, like, unsummon it. I kind of. You, you just recast it most of the time, but, like, for one mana, dealing with your 12-12 just yeah. feels kind of good. I mean, it's it's not as backbreaking as unsummoning a Tasker on turn two, right? No, because that's glorious, yeah. but... The, like, yeah, like it's it's it has it has no ETB value. It's literally just a beat stick, which is yeah, pretty it's, dang it, good. It's a big dumb dinosaur and stuff. And like, th- I mean, that's good. Like, if you play this early, like that could could mess mess your face up a little bit. But definitely a clock. Like, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. I don't. I think because it's just power and toughness. I think it's safer than a lot of the other things that we've seen that we, we look at and go, oh, snap. But, yeah. And it's interactable. That's a big thing, too. Yeah, it's super... It's interesting to think about. But honestly, the thing that entertains me the most is the fact it's an elder dinosaur. Yeah. Which brings the total number of known cards that have elder in their creature type up to 11 now. Which is... I know... F- five, I think? <laughs> there's the... There's... Oh, no. Oh, Yep, okay, the five, yep, those ones and then those ones, okay. Yep, yep. The, 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 the five original five Elder Dragons, the, the five Elder Dragons from Dragons of, or from Fate Refer to Dragons of Tarkir, which one was it? Dragons of Tarkir. Yeah. And then this dude. 
Which to me implies that there's also going to be at least a red dinosaur and a white dinosaur that are also yeah, elders. We'll see. Hmm. Which is it's interesting. Yeah. It's actually kind of annoying to me because I hate when there's like um, incomplete cycles, as it were. Yep. But I, I was actually <laughs> I was actually thinking about it. So there is actually a um the there's if you read the magic story, there's actually talk about the original vampire on Ixalan. Mm-hmm. And she's apparently like disappeared for like three thousand years or something insane like that. Mm-hmm. So she could actually come back and be the elder vampire. <laughs> uh, right? And there's not going to be an elder pirate because they don't live that long. Well, they they could, right? I mean, look at Admiral Beckett Brass. I was going to say maybe except for Beckett Brass, but that's about as <laughs> like so. You, about as so you'd have like you you'd have like what a black elder pirate, a green <laughs> elder merfolk. Actually, they already got the Elder Dragon. Blue Elder Merfolk. Sorry, a Blue Elder Merfolk. The Green Elder Dinosaur, and then, like, a White Elder Vampire, which then leaves us with, like, a you red... a Red Elder Dinosaur. Cool. Well, uh, like, yeah, so, like, a Red Elder Dinosaur, and then I feel like I'm missing a color. You got blue. You got all the ones that matter. Oh, no, that's all of them. Yeah. Okay. White, <laughs> but... white blue, green, black, red, yeah. So, so now that we speculated on it, I highly doubt it. <laughs> I highly doubt it too, but it would be cool but, if there was an elder vampire. And it would, it, it, I think it, that I think that would be cool. It but, would keep me okay. from being all neurotic because they made three elder dinosaurs and there's two colors that don't have an elder. Yeah, but okay. You know, you have one more card to talk about, don't you? Yeah, there's also a um, what is, it's not a spoiler, whatever it is, reprint. There, there's also a reprint that is being announced for Rivals of Ixalan, which is Silvergill Adept. Uh, they, which is relevant. Yeah, they revealed the promo for it. Once again, I don't remember what the promo was for, but I'm bad at remembering Something. things. Yeah. But that is an extremely powerful Merfolk ability. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to like dominate standard by any means. I mean, it's just a 2-1 two, two Muldrifter. That requires I mean, giveaway information, but it seems good. But like information, I mean, information is a cost, but it's not like you know, yeah, a oh. super super expensive cost. Yeah, I'm also pretty sure that like Silvergill was like seven or eight ish dollars, so it's also going to keep that price reasonable, which will That's be cool. nice for modern purposes. So, so that begs the question: with this reprint, do you think they reprint any of the other big Merfolk cards? I don't think they can. Right, like, like there's got to be a a limit on it if that makes any sense. But like, they could maybe reprint Curse Catcher. Maybe, maybe <laughs> unlikely, but maybe. The thing is, we is already Curse Catcher is Curse Catcher just for Spike. Yes. Well, no, Curse okay. Catcher is for Spike for non-creature spells. Okay, that's what I was trying to remember. Yeah, so that that makes it far more reasonable. I was like, well, if it was just like. We already Spike. we already have a curse catcher esque effect in the siren stormcaller or storm tamer or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. I don't think they want too many of those effects and things start getting really weird, right? I don't mm-hmm. think they want that. 
but it would be nice if they reprinted it because I'm pretty sure Curse Catcher is literally fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice to see a reprint. But so, do you think we see uh, not Lord of Atlantis, but the other one? Because I don't think they'll reprint Lord of Atlantis. No, I don't think they can re. I also don't think they could reprint Master of the Pearl Trident. Okay. Because like, the Pearl Trident is actually you know a tribe of merfolk. And, like, mm-hmm. the merfolk that we see in Ixalan, they're not, they don't have weapons and stuff like that, so they're, they couldn't just randomly have this random merfolk who's, like, good at combat, right? They're almost, they're almost entirely magic users. Mm-hmm. Do you think we see a lord? Like, just another lord of Atlantis? I don't think it would cost two. I could see a merfolk lord or some effect that buffs merfolks, but I mm-hmm. think it would be, like, a three or four drop. Because they're yeah. not they're not big on casting expensive lords anymore, or mm-hmm. uh, they're not big on printing cheap lords anymore. Rather, there, that's what it is. Yeah. So I, I'm I not expecting that, but like, I mean, it's still a cool little reprint. It gives Merfolk a little yeah, bit of sweet. like viability ish. I don't know. I don't think mm-hmm. this pushes them into like super good playable, but you never know. I mean, crazier things have happened. Like the big issue is still the evasion. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how you get around that, so... It's still interesting to think about, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see what else comes out with the, the whole set, but... Alright, should we get into our real grab bag topics? Sure! Alright, should we, um, uh... Should we storm the hill that you have fortified with the bodies of your fallen <laughs> enemies? So, because Fletcher enjoys me being angry, he thought we should bring up slow play again. Because I don't already do that enough. Uh, what was your your concept on this? You thought we could talk about ways to like avoid it and stuff. Um. Yeah. So uh, what? I guess let, let's let's just start off with what is and isn't slow play, and what you can do to not slow play. <laughs> like those are some of the big things. All right. So slow play is not taking a ten minute turn. Right? Like, you can take 10 minute turns in magic, and you Mm -hmm. are still not slow playing, as long as you're doing something to advance the game. Um, like, if I'm playing Storm, the odds are my, well, if I'm playing Modern Storm, the odds are my turn is going to take, you know, five to six minutes, depending on what mm-hmm. on going off right if i'm playing legacy storm i basically need like two minutes and you're dead just to yeah. shuffle through my to find what i need because legacy because <laughs> legacy but like you can take a one minute turn and still be slow playing like the amount of time it takes you to like go through your turn does not have any impact on whether or not you are actually slow playing in the game of magic and that's something that a lot of people don't really seem to realize. Like, mm-hmm. like you, um, there was actually multiple slow play warnings and you know, like comments from judges at the Pro Tour. If you were watching coverage this weekend, where the like uh, judge commented to a player that he you know needs to make a play, or the judge implied to that the guy whose turn it was should make a play to advance the game. And chat, like some people in chat were really annoyed, right? They're like, "Oh, there's still 15 minutes left in the round. You know, what is, you know, what does it matter if he's taking a little bit of time to play his, play his turnout? Like, it doesn't matter how much time is left in the round. It doesn't matter if you have 30 seconds as a runner, if you have 30 minutes. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Slow play has nothing to do with the clock. It has to yes. do with advancing the pace of play. Because, like, yep. a lot of people assume that slow play is the person's trying to go to a draw. And that is not necessarily accurate. Like, the person... Just because you're slow playing doesn't mean you want to the game to go to a draw. A lot of the time, the people who are slow playing, they still want to win. They're just not doing it fast enough. And it's yeah. it's this really complicated topic, right? Like, I, I write about slow play all the time, but I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that slow play is, like, easy to understand because it's literally different for every person. It's different for all this stuff. Like, um, there's someone who um, plays Magic where... I once talked to her about, you know, the fact that she's constantly going to time and she has a lot of draws. And her philosophy is it is, or she said, well, I just want to play the most amount of magic I possibly can, so what does it matter? And when I brought up that, well, everyone else in the room is waiting for her to finish her games, that's really rude for everyone else, she said, well, those people just need to calm down. That is unbelievably selfish of a statement to be making, but let's not get into that. Yeah. <laughs> like, the entire thing is, like, if you watch someone who's actually slow playing play, a lot of the time it's very, very similar, where they're just sitting there, and they're shuffling the cards in their hand, and they're, like, they're clearly, like, thinking about what they want to be doing, but they're not doing anything. Yeah, like... Like, slow play is just usually somebody going into the tank and thinking, and it's like, we need we need to get this move and come on. Yeah, like, like the mo- you know, stall, stalling is is against the rules, and you can get a game loss for it. Like Yes, actual, <laughs> like actual stalling is, like, game loss, and, you know, you do it too much, you can actually get, like, you know, banned from the tournament. Yeah, you, kind you can of get stuff. disqualified, yeah. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. I, I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad at words. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but like, like the like the the cliche form of slow play, you know, is like you know the guy draws his land. Like he draws a land. He's staring at two lands in his hand. He shuffles his hand around for like two minutes, and then he just passes the turn. Like that's yep. like the most cliche form of slow play, but like that's the one that's really easy to like identify. And like if you're ever watching this guy play, you know he's slow playing, right? There, his opponent doesn't know he's slow playing. What he thinks he's doing is he's like you know trying to like th- make his opponent think he has something and trying to get his opponent to like wonder and play around stuff that doesn't actually exist. Yada yada yada. Or just when thinking. That, <laughs> or just thinking. When in actuality, he's just wasting time. Yeah. And not necessarily, and like I want to stress this that uh, there's no malice involved in here, a well, lot of times. Like, sometimes well, there is. <laughs> if there's malice, yeah. usually then it's stalling, and that's that's what you said. That's yeah against the rules. Like usually um, the but like usually this is sort of a Hanlon's razor thing. Like you know never attribute to malice that which can adequately be attributed to stupidity. Like that's my, that's <laughs> usually... seriously one of my favorite quotes of all time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like. You know, usually they're just going in the tank. They're thinking they're. The problem is, is that they're 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 visualizing the game incorrectly, like a lot of times and stuff. And just changing how you view how you view and interact with the game a lot of times can fix some of that. Like, you know, most of the time people are just stopping and trying to reassess the entire board state every time something happens. And one, that just takes too much time. And two, you're just gonna mentally exhaust yourself. Yes. 
which then will lead to you playing even slower because it takes more like mental focus to reacquire like what mm -hmm. is actually going on. Yep. Like I'm I am a very big proponent of playing at, you know, a reasonable pace and all that kind of stuff. Like mm -hmm. it kind of stems from the fact that I tend to play decks that can't close the game early. So mm -hmm. I've forced myself to like play faster to make sure I actually can win those games. But like I I don't know if it's just like it could just be me that I just might think faster than the no a person does normally. Like I'm really good at segmenting stuff in my mind on what is and is not important. Mm -hmm. And I also I don't believe in bluffing most of the time. <laughs> like it, outside of outside of limited, right? Like yep. I will bluff attack all the time. I will I love morphs. I love raid. I love bluffing in limited. I hate bluffing in construct. <laughs> I think it is almost never worth it. A lot of the times, probably not, but... Yeah, like, the thing is, like... Well, we're not going to get into that. That's a whole nother can of yeah, worms. We'll, we'll just avoid that. We'll hit that for now. But, yeah, like, with the slow play thing, it's like, I came from playing a lot of aggro. Um, so I'm used to playing fast. Like, I, I like playing to the pace of my deck. I like doing things and having my opponent go, oh, crap, that happened to some degree. Mm -hmm. Like, you know... And, like, not expecting things. So, like, when I started playing Control, I even started playing fairly quick like that, too. I mean, I have in my head, I kind of understand. It's like, these are the things that matter to me and I'm going to want to counter because I should know what my opponent's deck is relatively doing. And these are the things I don't. These are the things I want to deal with. These are the things I don't. So if I see one of the things I want to deal with, I deal with it. <laughs> and if I, if I don't, then I don't. Um, I go too far the other way, though, where I play too fast a lot of times. Uh, and will I've I've lost some games by playing too fast. Yeah, that's that's something <laughs> that like that is a problem that, other, that you know it's the polar opposite of slow play. The difference is playing too fast and making mistakes doesn't make people <laughs> resent you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, there's a lot of truth to that too. But like, like I, I don't think I have ever gone to time in a game, or maybe once I've gone to time. I think I did go to time time in one game before, but. Yeah. I I have gone to time a few times. I've had I I don't think it was as a result of anything I did. I that could just me be me be projecting, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, projecting and assuming it's everyone else's fault. But like I do play with a pretty reasonable pace. Like yeah, you play with a pretty good clip, especially when I'm playing a control deck because it's like you said, like I know exactly what I need to counter when I want to counter. Like if mm -hmm. I'm playing a control mirror with someone and I cast a uh, four mana instant speed draw two and they sit there and think about it, they should already know if they are ever going to counter a draw spell in the control mirror. Yep. Like, that's just something you need to establish with yourself what you want to do. And it actually yeah, and gives away a lot of information. <laughs> like, I I was playing a control mirror last night against someone, and, like, I cast a Scarab God, and they just stared at it. Mm -hmm. And, like, literally a minute went by, and they're like, all right, that resolves. And I got so much information from them from them doing that. Yeah. Like, I knew immediately they have a Counterspell in their hand, they have a Vraska's Contempt in their hand. I need to deal with both of these cards. <laughs> you just you just knew it yeah like the and the thing is is that yeah, i mean it's one of those things is that knowing what to counter takes time but the thing is yes. instead of using the time during the game you front load that time to before the game when you're planning for it 
and spend that time when you're not wasting everyone else's time so that they can so that you know generally what you need to do during the game and you shortcut all that because you only got 50 minutes to play you know your match basically or an hour and you know before the game you have a lot more time usually (laughs) yeah and like a lot obviously we're focusing a lot of this on um control decks when it comes to slow play because control decks are the ones that are the most they're the most blatantly obvious when like the control deck is the cliche well they're going to go to time in that control here because of reasons thing right i actually Mm -hmm. find that is exceptionally not true like if if you have two good control players they know exactly what's going on right from the get-go and it's very possible to play a control mirror and finish before everyone else oh yeah like Mm -hmm. you just know what's going on right like but it's also very common to see it in like the like a mid-range matchup where like you'll just be watching someone play their game and they're just like hipping and hawing about what's going on and they're not sure because you know like there's a lot of you know powerful cards going on and they don't want to make a mistake a lot of people play slowly because they're scared of failure yep i mean realistically it's just a game of magic yes like like we all want to do well. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't want to, you know, show up all the time and be like, "Oh, I got smoked because I suck super bad." But, like, if I, I mean, even if it is an important game of magic, if I lose it, it my life isn't over. Like, <laughs> you no. know, you can you can move on from that pretty easy, and you can and you can learn from it, and you can you know keep improving based on that. So like. I mean the cost the cost of making a mistake in a game of magic is actually pretty low. Yeah, like that's the thing like you know, if you, odds are if you're listening to this podcast, you don't need to win at magic to get by in life. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know, me winning my game day play mats, you know, they make me feel better about myself, right? They they increase my, you know, personal like thoughts about myself be, but like that is not necessary for me to be happy about myself right yeah like, well let's just stop right here and say that if if your self-worth is tied to how well you play magic like so i think you just a psychiatrist I, think, I don't know if i'm gonna go that far yet but i think you need to stop and reevaluate things and really look really look at some stuff and if you're not happy with yourself yeah maybe you need to go to talk talk to somebody or re reevaluate your life like, because, well, Magic's awesome and, like, one of the best games in the world, or probably the best game in the world, potentially. Like, it's... I don't know, it's man, just but game, pretty great. No, it's not. It's actually a terrible game. But <laughs> I, I know, it's abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yeah, yeah, like, yeah but that, there's, there's some stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, like, it's very, like, you know... Like I was, like I was saying, like Fletcher was, ta- like Fletcher, you know, brought up. It's like, like I said, I, I feel good when I win my playmat, but it is, it's, it's not like a permanent feel good moment, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Every time I lay out my current championship playmat and look at Bolas, be like, yeah, Bolas is sweet. Like, I feel good about it. But every, it's, it's very similar to drugs, right? Where like every subsequent hit is never going to be as good as the one previous. <laughs> like, you need to find other ways to feel good about your life that doesn't revolve just beating some 12-year-old at f Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm of the opinion that uh, that 
like i i don't know i'm one of those people that like i just feel good about myself no matter what like i'm happy with who i am so it's, <laughs> it's really been... tough. it's really tough for me to like to to um uh, offer anything to people because i i just have always kind of been okay with that so as has been uh, brought up multiple times about fletcher he's kind of a narcissist it's really <laughs> hard to make him hate himself <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, not, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but like I just I'm just okay with myself. But okay. yeah, you're, you're content with your with your yeah. your existence. Okay, why don't we th- why don't we throw out a few ways to avoid slow play? I mean, we kind of yeah. threw some out. Uh, front loading knowledge was one of the big ones. Uh, learning to uh, reassess the game states um, in in chunks instead of as a whole. You know, if something, if one thing changes on the board, the, everything in the whole board doesn't change. You know, yeah. it's just like you can kind of reassess those pieces. Um, anything else you got? Stop being terrible. <laughs> That's <laughs> you're a dickhead. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there's a grain of truth in that, which is um, understand your deck. I think is a big piece. Understand what your cards do if you can you know yeah like and, and, and if you're doing limited or like a pre-release or something like yeah you're gonna be a little fuzzier things are a little more lenient because you're gonna have to stop and read people's cards um and your own cards sometimes but like if it's a deck you've built you know understand what your cards do in that deck like if you're if you draw a card from your deck and you're like oh man where did this come from like <laughs> you probably need to step back for a moment and, and think over some stuff yeah, obviously I'm being, I'm like 20% serious with the not, stop being terrible comment, but like a lot of it is like people are trying to gain edges in the wrong places. Yeah, like, that's, that's common. Like, and like like I said, like there is a, lo- a lot of people who slow play, a lot of it is them trying to bluff their opponent, mm-hmm. and it's almost so minuscule to try and bluff because like in a lot of the situations they're trying to bluff something that like if i cast a card and you let it resolve even Mm -hmm. if you sit and think about it for you know an x amount of time that alone tells me what you have in your hand like because the odds are you can either deal with this or you can't and it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter if like if you don't counter it you're probably dead to it like bluffing is pointless at that point right but they're Mm -hmm. trying to hope that their opponent thinks about things and they're trying like like bluffing is a thing in magic it has always been a thing in magic and always will be a thing in magic but even the super high level pros will tell you that it gives you such a minuscule amount that working on nuts and bolts magic is much more important than ever working on the mind game aspects of magic yeah i mean you can work on mind games and work super hard and get good at them and gain like one percent whereas like if you're a person and you start working on nuts and bolts and get good at that you can gain like many many more percent like 5 10 15 20 like some for some of us 50 percent you know <laughs> like, yeah, like you can gain a lot more and like i'm i'm not gonna call out anyone be in particular because you know i highly doubt anyone who in particular i would be calling out even listens to this podcast but like also that's just, just a dick move i know but like just <laughs> in general think about your matches think about your history of matches and ask yourself you know, how many unintentional draws do I actually have? Yeah. And, like, like, if that number 
is like anything more than like one every month or so you probably should start evaluating things and if it's mm -hmm. so bad that it's literally like at least one every tournament you really need to sit down and think about what you're really doing when you play magic yep. it's very common like i've brought this up to people who i know personally about how the fact they're always going to time and they always blame their opponents yeah but the thing is think about what's similar in all those matches you're almost yep. never playing against the same person, right? You're it's, the one constant. It's one of those things. It's like if you meet somebody who's been divorced five times, you got to really stop and look and wonder who the problem is here. Exactly. <laughs> like that's just how things go. That's that's literally science, right? <laughs> I like, mean, man, it, yeah, we got a small we got a small sample size here, but you know what? There is starting to be a correlation, and you if might want to start looking at that. <laughs> if every time you throw a match at something, that something starts on fire, maybe you should stop throwing matches at it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's get on to your next thing. Uh, the next one is somewhat random and very out of date, but I'm going to do but it I'm anyways. Okay I like it. People like to bring this up, and it bothers me. Okay. A lot of people really hate Eldritch Moon. I'm one of them. You're wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> so, so defend it. <laughs> this is me defending Eldritch Moon, all right? So everyone loves Innistrad, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone who is vocal loves Innistrad. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're not vocal. Like, yeah. a lot of people have a massive kill boner for Innistrad. They're like, it's like, it's either the best or second best block of all time. It's either that or Ravnica. And they have this, like, like I said, just this massive kill boner for it, right? They think it's the greatest thing ever, and, like, they can do no wrong, and they've, like, all they ever want is Innistrad to come back. Which, side note, there's people, uh, there's rumors that we might be going to Ravnica again after Ixalan, and I'm personally really annoyed by that aspect, prospect. Okay. But, um, I so, love Ravnica. <laughs> completely, that, that, another story. Alright, yeah, okay. so, the thing about um, Innistrad is, like, its theme is gothic horror. Mm -hmm. And... I'm not a fan of rehashing the same thing over and over and over again, right? Like, things get stale. It's it's very mm -hmm. much my personality type, right? Like, I am red. I get bored easy. Like, I can't rehash the same thing over and over without getting, you know, like, well, what's the point anymore, right? As to where, So we go from gothic horror, and then completely... Uh, this is going to sound weird. Remove the fact that Emrakul is on Innistrad. Right? Yep, that's fine. Okay. Ignore the fact that Emrakul is the cause of Eldritch Moon. I don't, I don't hate that part, by the way. <laughs> well, like, thing, like, suddenly Eldritch Moon, or Innistrad, shifts from gothic horror into a twist into Eldritch horror. Yeah, it's like the still, cosmic horror sort of thing. Yeah, like, it's still horror. Well, the, yeah, I like... Imagine so, can I stop you for a second? There. Sure. So you're defending the flavor of it? Yes. Oh, okay. I hate the mechanics of it. I thought it was a terrible set. Oh, no. People hate the flavor of it. People oh, hate okay. the fact no, that No, I thought Innistrad... the flavor was cool. <laughs> yeah. People hate the fact that Innistrad is no longer um, gothic horror. They hate the fact that it was turned into um, Lovecraftian horror. 
I thought that was fine. That makes that that seems like a perfect lo- perfectly logical extension. Exactly. <laughs> like, like the the more annoying thing about Eldritch Moon, I think, and a lot of people this colored a lot of people's expectations is like the first set came out. You know, uh, Shadows of Innistrad came out, and people are like. You know, there's like all this like tentacly stuff, and people are like, Emrakul's their right guy, right wizards, and wizards is like, we can't tell you, it's a big old secret. And then they're, yeah. and they're like, they're like, Emrakul's gonna be there, isn't it? And they're like, they're like, whoa, we can't tell you, it's gonna be a big surprise. And then the second spell, they're like, oh my gosh, Emrakul's there, and everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we know. Well, that's just people figuring shit out. Yeah, that's yeah. whatever. But. but- <laughs> oh yeah, there's literally a lot of people who hate the fact that Eldritch Moon was Rise of the Eldrazi 3.0, as they like to put it. But I don't think it was anything like Battle for Zendikar in the feel of the Eldrazi. It was very, like, a cerebral string with your mind kind of thing, right? Like, you look at <laughs> yep. random arts, like the incorrigible use, and you notice that some of those vampire children randomly have tentacles and eyes in their cheeks. Yeah, like, and it's not the, something the, you the notice. That was really stuff. creepy. <laughs> like, you don't notice this stuff on first glance. You have to really look at the art to even notice it, right? Harmless like, offering. Yeah, that. <laughs> every time you look at that picture, something else creepy is noticeable on it. Yeah, I know. Literally. But yeah, I thought I thought they did a really good job at that, like, uh, showing showing the cosmic horror and everything like that. It fit the world very well too. I thought. I, like, I it, agree. it seemed like it fit. It was still super horror-based, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a different style of horror, which, as yeah. I said, like, Watsi does need to keep things fresh, because, you know, you can only keep getting the same old curmudgeons coming back to a set so many times before mm-hmm. they're just like, well, I've already encountered this, you know, particular brand of horror five previous times on our, you know, Return to Innistrad Electric Boogaloo 5.0. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like like yep. I said, it does get boring, and not just mm-hmm. for me because I'm crazy. Yeah, like, I think there's I, some sets that have a lot of return potential, but like Innistrad is one of those ones that they're going to have to figure out ways to keep it keep the horror theme fresh. Yes, that's the thing about horror, right? You do, as a human, get desensitized to horror. Like, yes, that's just a fact of life. Yeah. So you want to actually like you have to keep changing the horror to keep it fresh, otherwise it's just not going to feel the same. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not like Innistrad is absolutely terrifying, you know, as, like, you know, you're not scared by staring at the cards. You still need to keep it fresh before it's just like, well, here's another werewolf. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you can Innistrad. go back to Ravnica a million times because Ravnica is completely mechanical and there's a lot of just, like, space to explore in the guilds and everything, I think. Like, yeah. that set just, you could mine indefinitely. But there's certain sets that it's, like, so it's like we go back to Zendikar Adventure World. How how do we do that? Yeah, you know, like how how do you make a fresh spin on that? I mean, obviously the battle for Zendikar they didn't quite they didn't do that. They they went back to the wrong piece. Um, yeah, but but like you know, Innistrad has that sort of feel. You know, like I, I feel like there's certain sets that have a theme like that that have a feel to them. It's 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 much more difficult to go back and you have to make a change like this make to change the the you know the brand of horror or the, you know the way it's perceived or something whereas like Ravnica you go back and you're like here's some guilds they're awesome here's some new mechanics have fun yeah like it's i think it's something that a lot of people just aren't taking into account when it comes to going back to things which kind of stems yep. into a follow up to this all right we got we got enough time for this one let's do it all right nostalgia is toxic 
Okay, so... I, I just want you to lay down your premise, because I'm very curious about this, because I have mixed feelings. Alright. So, just as a disclaimer, I am someone who is prone to nostalgia. I, in the space of a month, I spent oh like my. four... I spent like $400 on Pokemon cards for a game that I don't play because they brought back cards from back when I was a child. Mm -hmm. All right. Like I, I can definitely get bit by the nostalgia bug and I can go ham on things I really shouldn't. So I'm not some, I'm not like some, you know, above the masses looking down at the peons being like people in their nostalgia, right? I get nostalgia, mm -hmm. but people are constantly blinded by nostalgia like it's the literal rose tinted glasses thing like where you look back in the past so, and think this thing is super amazing so i'm gonna can i just throw out an example about this sure. that i think fits so recently i just read an article world of warcraft mm -hmm. is bringing back vanilla servers yes you know, that sounds that? terrible i agree <laughs> like <laughs> Twitter is full of people talking about how excited they are to do, like, old-school vanilla stuff again because it was, like, the glory days of their time. And then you see all these people who are like, vanilla really sucked. Yeah, like, Burning, it was... Like, there Burning was a Crusade lot of, was good. Vanilla Burning was Crusade shit. Was fun. Like, Burning Crusade had problems still. I wouldn't want to go back to Burning Crusade from playing it. Like, you know, and that was our glory days. Like, that's when we, like, really raided and, like, did good stuff and were having fun. But, like, man, there's no way. Like... <laughs> I don't know, like I I would probably be able to go back to Burning Crusade for like a month or two. <sighs> I don't think you realize all the stuff that's changed cuz like when they said they're going back to vanilla they're going back to vanilla. I get like, that. Like no like, like no I, cross server queuing, no no looking for group queues like I could oh. never go back to vanilla. Yep. I think I could go back to Burning Crusade. But like I said, not There's for no. a long time. Yeah, like, but... I could never go back for longer than, like, a couple months of, oh, this is cool. Now I remember why this set was shit and why it got so much better in, in yeah. Frozen Throne. Yeah, but so, <laughs> to your point, like, there's, uh, you know, I thought the same exact thing. But, yeah. okay, continue like, after I interrupted you so rudely. Yeah, so, like, this very much ties into the Eldritch Moon thing and the Battle for Zendikar thing, where people are super nostalgic for what they perceived as being, like, the glory days of, like, you know, this this time that was, like, super, super good magic, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, like, the thing is, and that is all they want. Like, they don't want change, they just want to go back to what was. Which, mm -hmm. here's the thing, right? Um, uh, Zendikar, OG Zendikar Limited was unbelievably aggressive. Like, if you're, you're drafting every two drop you possibly can, or you're dead, right? Yeah, you just die. <laughs> We've had multiple limited sets that are very, very similar. Not quite as fast, but very similar in the past few times. People hate these limited sets. Yeah, like, like uh, Monquette was super, super fast um, and aggressive. Kaladesh was fast and aggressive. Yeah, like, people... So people don't want to go back to those limited formats, right? Because they're bad. So but like, they want to go back so, to <laughs> yeah. So they want to go back to the constructed formats. So they want to go back to Jace the Mind Sculptor and Cobblade. That sounds like the best thing ever, except yeah. not at all. Says no one can, because because like, I mean, if you think like Emrakul and Thopter and stuff were oppressive, like, <laughs> yeah. Right? Let's talk about Cobblade, people. Holy shit balls. I mean, and you could see people 
on forums and stuff arguing that like, oh, Cobblade wasn't this oppressive. Blah, 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 blah. It's like bullshit. I'm sorry, but that's just a goddamn lie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so then it's like, all right, so so you don't want to play that same constructive format. So you just want the same story, right? So you just want to reread the same book you've already read multiple times. So the thing is, is that they don't want they don't want the same limited format. They don't want the same constructive format. They don't want the same story. They don't even want the same set. You know what they want? They want to feel the same way they did back then. That's what well, it is. Well, yeah, like I understand that, and but it's, like, and, it's, and nothing will bring it back. Not no. even remaking a set. Yeah, like it's the exact same thing that I said about you know, like the. Like, the first time you take a drug, it's the best time you'll ever take that drug. Like, you'll never feel that same joy from your first experience of seeing Zendikar. You'll mm -hmm. never feel that joy from the first time you saw a flipped werewolf and you thought the game was mm -hmm. going to end because the cards aren't legal so you can see them through sleeves. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's the first time seeing, you know, watching that movie, it's the first time reading that book, it's the first time playing that video game, whatever one it is, it's like, there's certain things that inspire awe in you, and it's like, and I and there, I, I try not to spoil certain things for people because of so, how, how amazing that feeling is, like, you know, I always say, like, but the original Bioshock has one of the best reveals in a game ever, and I still won't reveal that to people who... Have who haven't played, played the game or or are like i will never play the game and even then if they're like i'm never playing the game i'm like are you sure because you need to experience this yeah i will never play the game you will if you ever want to talk to and, me ever again yeah right <laughs> and um uh, but like you know I, I i just recently played through it and it was still awesome playing through it but like it doesn't have that impact yeah said like nowhere to, near to go back to wow the first time i walked into stormwind was awe-inspiring did and you, you have can, the music on? Oh, yeah, the music yeah. on, you're walking past all the <laughs> statues, and it's just like, holy crap. I mean, because that wasn't dot stuff, like, MMOs like that weren't a, weren't a huge thing yet. This was the first successful MMO. This was the first time experiencing something like this, and it was an awe-inspiring, beautiful thing. And that, I think one thing that people, that you just need to accept is that be thankful that you experience that moment and realize it's gone. Yeah. Like, don't keep trying to get it back. Because, like, all you're doing by, like, complaining when you're, the new sets that come out aren't exactly what they want you to do is you're just, one, you're just shitting on the people who did all that work to make that set. And who made something good. Yeah. I mean, there's like, been very few bad sets in recent memory. Like, Battle for Zendikar is about the only one. Yeah, like, there's, like, you're shitting on everyone who made those cards, who made that story, who had this idea that they got to, they got they convinced their bosses that it was good, and they got to, like, throw it out there, and, like, they put their heart and soul into this game, and you're like, this sucks, it's not exactly what it used to be, go F yourself. It's like, that, like, I'm not surprised the sheer number of people who, like, start jobs at WASP and are there less than six months. Yeah. Like, it's, that just has they get to a lot of stuff. beating them down. <laughs> I mean, like, Oops, sorry. The fact that Morrow isn't, like, some jaded old curmudgeon <laughs> is a goddamn miracle. We're, we're not worthy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, and it's fine to be critical of things. But, like, I think there is something that you need to do and you need to appreciate, like, I, and I'm a firm believer that hard work, just because you put hard work into something does not make something good. 
I agree. <laughs> like, that's just not true. But, like, I think there, you need to have an appreciation of somebody who creates something. Like, most people don't create something for people to see. And I think they should. I think it's awesome. I think people should go out and make stuff. And people should see, even if it's not good. Like, even if it's not something that a, that a million people are going to see. Even if it's just a stupid little podcast that, like, six people listen to, I think people should go <laughs> out and make it. Because, because creating something is awesome and wonderful and beautiful. And anything can do, anybody can do it. That's why... That's why I always love trying these new things. That's why I write lots of tabletop games. That's why, you know, that's why I started, you know, kind of wanted to do this podcast. That's why I started writing articles. That's why I started, you know, making crappy games and stuff like that. That's why I programmed apps. That's why I do all these things is because making something and sharing it is awesome. Like my writing isn't good, isn't particularly good. You know, our podcast, I, eh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with it, but like it, you know, it isn't <laughs> limited resources. You know, they're they're doing a pretty damn good job. We're not a top anywhere close to the, to the good podcasts. You know, my articles were nowhere near as good as anything that has ever showed up on Channel Fireball or, you know, the Wizard site or a numerous other magic websites. But taking that part of you and sharing it is just awesome. And it does leave you vulnerable. People will shit on you, but... I think you need to create things so that you can be empathetic to people, other people who create things. And that's not to say you can't be critical. Like, as, as I've said, like it is okay no. to be like this. Sorry, but this is not good for these reasons. You know? Yeah. But the thing is you need to say it's not good for these reasons. You need to evaluate it as a standalone. Yes. Right. Like there's, I, I, another example, I just recently bought the movie, the dark tower. Like the, the original not, one. Oh, oh, sorry, Dark Tower, the new movie. Sorry. Yes. I think of the uh, Dark Crystal for some reason. <laughs> that, I, as soon as you said the original one, I figured that's what you were thinking of. Like, yeah. I bought the movie The Dark Tower. The movie is not amazing by any means, but the movie is not terrible. It has been <laughs> shit on. Like, absolutely shit on in reviews because <laughs> the people who reviewed it read the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Yeah, I read this Dark Tower uh, this series or the first book by Stephen King, and I was kind of lukewarm on it and didn't really like it. Yeah, but like, so it still has like these fanatical yep. fans, right? My, like, my wife loves it. Loves yeah, it. so like people are super hardcore in the books. They hate the movie because the movie doesn't follow the books. But mm -hmm. even like Stephen King himself was involved in the creation of the movie, and he's like, we have to tell a story differently. And like, yep. I'm I'm one of those people that I can watch a movie. And, and judge it on its merits, right? It's a standalone, right? Yep. Like, I don't care about the past of this movie. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I evaluate... <laughs> I got something for you, but yeah, continue, sorry. <laughs> like, I evaluate every movie I watch as a standalone next to itself, unless it... I mean, if it's part of a trilogy, I will compare it mm -hmm. to, like... The, I will take in the whole story, as it were, right? But, like, yep. I'm... I actually don't hate the original trilogy in Star Wars. Like, the one with, like, Anakin even though the acting is quite bad in places. I was going like, to say, they weren't particularly good movies just in, in and of themselves, though. No, but they all, they weren't completely abysmal movies. Oh, they weren't, un can, they weren't like, unwatchable yeah, by any means. I can appreciate them for what they are because I'm not blinded by the nostalgia of original Star Wars. Yeah. You know, like... like so, <laughs> you, I think you'll appreciate this and probably agree with it. So, um, what, another announcement that came up for a game is uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. And, yes, and they which released I it. Was weird. And they released a trailer, and it's got like every bad guy from every Pokemon game ever so far. And 
spoiler alert, some of them are dead. <laughs> like, so, so one of the comments on this, this article was like, so where does this fit into the timeline? And then the next response was that, why does everything need a timeline? Exactly. Like, sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in the continuity and the, and the story and everything like that, is that we just don't stop and try to enjoy something for what it is. Yeah, like, I'm, you know, I've, I, can, I can read a book that's part of a series and evaluate it based on its own merits. I can watch a movie that's part of a series and evaluate it based off its own merits. Like, it's not important to me that everything ties in in all these particular ways. Like, <laughs> like the new, the live-action Ghost in the Shell movie. Once again, it's not amazing. It. <laughs> I think it's, it's worth watching. It's okay. But... It is a completely different story from the anime, mm -hmm. and I think that's perfectly fine. Yep. I mean, there's one thing when you get a bait and switch, like, like for me, uh, Starship Troopers. Like, I read the book Starship Troopers. That book mm -hmm. is phenomenal. And then I watched the movie, and it doesn't even have the same theme or feel as anywhere close to the book. And that kind of upset me a little bit. I felt like I, was, I felt like it was a giant bait and switch. It's just a movie about killing big bugs. And and the book, and I get why they can't really do that with the movie. But the book was literally about like philosophy. Like it was, yeah. it was phenomenal. But okay, um, I think we gotta wrap that one, this one up here though. So, uh, that was pretty grab baggy, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, we went all over the damn place. All right. Well, if you want to send us some feedback, you can send us an email at thelocometa at gmail.com. Um, you can catch us on Twitter at thelocometapc. John, anything else before we, we close it up? Um, start evaluating things based off their own merits, not off, not off the past. Yeah, go make something. That's my thing. I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, we will catch you all next time.